everyone. This is Florence Brummer. I'm your host of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I've lived in Phoenix, Arizona since 1999. Before that, I lived in Chicago and was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. My nephew reminded me this week that I'm also a great aunt now because he had his new baby on Christmas Day. So there's a new role for me in this life. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer since October 1999. Throughout my practice, I struggled day by day to find balance between work and life. And please join me on this journey in finding grace and contentment in the practice of law or whatever your business is. This podcast, I'm going to talk about my favorite Sunday. But before I get there, and then after um, I give some tips, I do want to talk about tons of stuff that I've been watching and reading that I think you would really enjoy. But let me get before I get there. um, Just to give you an update on the last two weeks. The last time I spoke to you, I had a trial that just canceled. So the week from the 28th to the 4th, I was supposed to be in trial Monday through Friday. I had reserved a hotel room in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix, so I didn't have to commute every day. And I could set up like a war room at the hotel. Like I was all set for this. And then the trial got canceled like very last minute. It settled. And I just had this very odd feeling. Um, Just, I had a, um, like a ghost trial hovering around me, where I still was in mode for this trial, but it went away. It didn't exist anymore on my calendar. You would also think that means that my life is completely freed up. (laughs) But my schedule is kind of like filling a glass of water. I don't know, it's gonna be a super bad analogy, but it's like there's a glass of water, someone drinks it, and then the waiter comes by and refills it immediately. That's how my schedule works. But it was a little, it did ease up a little bit. And but I needed to fill that with tons of work that I had been setting aside. I had been just really like pushing off appointments. And um projects and things I needed to think about because I was getting ready for this trial. So I started just working on a bunch of brand new stuff. And so my week, that week was like a little bit better in terms of scheduling. I actually still had court because I had some hearings that were scheduled at the same time as my trial where I was either going to ask the judge if I could quickly do the hearing, if we could take a break, or have my associate do it. But they weren't very hard hearings, Uh, just kind of took some time. So I was available to do those now. And um, on Tuesday, um, my family and I went to happy hour at Yard House, which is one of our favorite things to do. They have half price appetizers, and we just get a million appetizers. And they do the vegetarian chicken wings, the garden wings, and with all the different flavors and they're half price. And 
eight of us ate for like a hundred dollars. It just was ended up being super economical. And I had some gift cards that had been given to me as gifts that I'd been saving. So it just ended up being really fun and it worked out nice. Do you ever go to do something and you're, as it gets closer, you're just starting to feel like the logistics aren't going to work out as we were going there. Well, we had to take two cars because of the amount of people. And as we were going there, I just kept thinking, this isn't going to work out right. We're going to get there. It's going to be too crowded. You have to get there before six. And are we going to get there before six? And we actually got there, I don't know, a few minutes after five. Like it all worked out great. And it wasn't that crowded. When we were leaving around 630, Yard House was getting super crowded. There was tons of people waiting. But when we got there, it was just right. And we were brought home some leftovers, not as much as we do if there's like three or four of us, because we'll actually order the same amount of food and then bring home leftovers for everyone. But the big group of us went and we still had a little bit of leftovers left. And it just ended up being fun. They were playing fun music and then they started to repeat the songs and we thought, oh, time to go. So that was one of the things that I did during that week. I kept picturing myself going to an afternoon movie or something like that, and it just never happened. My week just literally did fill up. I was able to stay on track with my cycle bar classes, my spin classes, because I did not um, have the trial, so I didn't fall behind on those. So then the week after that, so it was going to be the week of my trial, and then the week after that, my associate attorney was on vacation. So whenever there's an an employee on vacation, that's just a whole nother set of challenges because you have things that come up and things that you would normally hand to that person or talk to that person about they're gone. And I always call it when I'm talking to people, I say I'm doing the work of two attorneys this week. Not literally, because I'm not working, you know, 24 hour days, but I am handling all return calls. If in a, if something that's on an emergency basis needs to come needs to be drafted, I'm drafting it, I can't share the work on it. But it ended up being kind of okay. I did have ton of court and meetings because the other thing was I had scheduled a ton of meetings during that week in anticipation of my trial. I was able to, I didn't, I I had thought about moving some people around and scheduling, seeing if they wanted to come in the prior week. But like I said, it just filled up like a glass of water. So I thought, okay, I'm going to just get caught up this week and really dive in the the following week. And I, and I did. I had three relatively big hearings. I was supposed to have a deposition. So Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, big hearings, not just like a quick five minute And then all around those hearings, I scheduled a couple of appointments, three to four. So very, very full days. And then Tuesday, the reason why I was getting people in on those days is because the next week, 
I'm going to be in New Orleans. I'm leaving for New Orleans on Tuesday. So I really have to get everything done. And tomorrow I was trying to keep, Monday I was trying to keep relatively open, but I do have to get in a bunch of meetings. Um, I left some options for meetings and every single one of them has filled up during that day. So it's just a lot all of a sudden. And on last Tuesday, I was supposed to go into Phoenix for a deposition and that got moved. So that actually saved me because it gave me some extra hours to be able to get some work done. So it's just a lot like March has been a lot and March is my favorite month in Arizona because it is just so lovely I love the springs in Arizona. I don't think that that is a huge revelation to anyone. I think most of the tourism in Arizona happens during the spring. My my allergies have been going crazy. That's been like my worst allergies ever, sneezing like crazy. But we're the weather is nice. We're finally getting longer days. I just get so tired of the days where it doesn't start to get light until like 7.30 or 8 and it's dark by 4.30. Those get really hard. I get really, really tired. My body definitely reacts to the amount of sunlight and I always feel like I'm chasing the light. I have this phrase in my head, chasing the light, because I'm just trying to get as much stuff done during the day when there's sunlight and I start to hate to... I hate to like go to a movie if the sun is out because it feels like a waste of the day to me. And then I'm tired at night, so it's hard to find time to go to the movies, which I love to do. So um, I really the point of this is getting ready for New Orleans. <laughs> March is super busy, um, and I had planned a spring break with my daughter. Last year we went to New Orleans. This year we're going to go to New Orleans. I'm a little bit apprehensive about it because while we're gone, St. Patrick's Day happens, but this was her spring break, so I didn't have another option. And I hear things get crazy there. So I'm just going to try to avoid any craziness. We're really going for shopping and walking and good meals and just having a nice time, just a change of scenery and getting to New Orleans before it starts to get hot and humid. I need to go there once or twice every year. It just really is a place that I love and an easy trip. You know, the flight to from Arizona to New Orleans, you can get a direct flight. It's less than three hours and a half, then a half an hour cab from the airport to the city. So it's just very easy to navigate, in my opinion, at least. And it's an easy airport. And since they have the brand new airport, just nice and um, nice and clean and new. The older airport was, it wasn't like it was disgusting, but it just, I don't know, it was not very sunny. It had like these very small windows. It was very dark it was dingy. There wasn't a lot of places to sort of sprawl out. There was no lounge. Now there's a lounge. So um, it's just a, a very, very easy trip. Okay. So that was my last two weeks. 
and um, cross your fingers for me. Say a little prayer for me about New Orleans. My youngest grandson had a stomach flu and then he was fine. So my daughter brought him over yesterday and I said, how are you feeling? I said, I really can't get sick. And she goes, oh, no, I'm great. And, you know, everything's great. And then she texted me this morning and she said she's throwing up. So I'm like, all right, great. So I'm still hopeful (laughs) because I, you know, she was physically taking care of him while he was sick. So she was, you know, deep in it. But we'll see. We're we're all kind of nervous at my house now. And I did um, catch up on my sleep. Saturday, I slept, Friday night, I slept 10 hours. By nine o'clock on Friday night, I was just, my head was just bobbing forward on the couch. Like I could not keep my eyes open any longer. And I went up to bed. I didn't set the alarm for Saturday morning and woke up at seven. That's 10 hours. I was so exhausted. That morning, I was up about four. Because one thing about March, although we have the lovely weather, it's starting to get warmer, we're starting to have more sun, it's not super hot yet. Sometimes we get these winds and the wind was just blowing like crazy at four in the morning and um, woke me up and I was just up and couldn't go back to sleep. And then last night, I go to sleep and then wake up like pretty wide awake at about 1130, went to sleep about 1030, one hour later, just waking up and couldn't fall back asleep for a couple of hours. So I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm all off. So maybe a little trip out of town will help me um, feel better. Which brings me to Sunday today. And I'm going to tell you what my list is for my favorite Sunday. You don't have to do this on a Sunday. You can do it any day that you like. But I really recommend a day like this. I incorporate work into it. And the way I do it, it doesn't end up feeling like work to me. It just ends up feeling like more of an accomplishment. Because during the week, um, I'm trying to get projects done. And... All of my work is work, obviously, (laughs) but there's something about a day of phone calls and a day of meetings and a day of email where it feels unproductive, even though I've done a million things. And maybe it's because I'm jumping all over and just can't sit down and work on one project. I am still reeling from the statistic that I read in an article about attorneys' work days. And I've said it probably in my last two podcasts. But attorneys spend two-thirds of their day on email. And that has become really apparent to me as I am working, which is I am doing tons of email every day. This week I had a ton of court, so I I used email auto messages quite a bit. And I am so 
grateful for those. Those really, really help me. Um, sometimes <laughs> you get sort of a weird response from it because I'll do an email that, or I'll do an auto out of office response that will say, Florence is in court. Florence will not be available for phone and emails. And can, um, if you have an immediate, um, an immediate need, call Renee or call Tanya. Tanya wasn't there last week, so the messages didn't mention her. Um, so lots of time people will just get that and they'll say, okay, I guess it'll be a while before she hears back from me. Sometimes people will get that message and call Renee and say, I sent Florence an email. Can you let her know? <laughs> and Renee will be like, well, okay, she's in a hearing. I really can't let her know, but she'll get back to you when she's able to. So it's sort of a weird response where people take it as, well, I'll call Renee and then somehow it will be able to get to Florence. And I understand people want to uh, get whatever they have taken care of. But when I am in court, there's nothing I can do. There's just really nothing I can do. Um, my phone um, is with me, but I have it upside down on the table. The reason why I have my phone with me is not so I can get calls, but a lot of times I'll pick up my phone and maybe look up a rule of procedure really quick or really for my calendar because that comes up quite a bit where the judge will say, oh, are you available you know, in two days, we're going to do an extra hour on this case, or um, it's, it's really, it's, you're there for a scheduling conference, and you need to have your calendar, so the court can see when you're available for a week. And having my phone, my calendar on my phone, it has necessitated having my phone with me during hearings. I used to not, this is a relatively newer occurrence for me, a year ago, and for many years afterwards, I would have it on my computer at work and then contact, either contact my office or log into my work computer or have a printed version of my calendar. And so it is easier, you know, to have it on my phone, but it is just something where it's just always with me. But what can you do? Okay, so back to my favorite Sunday. I try to do a day that is very different than my regular work day because on a regular work day, I'm either in court at some time, I'm doing meetings, many emails, probably 200 emails every day. In a lot of those emails, I can just quickly get rid of. Sometimes it's a one or two word answer. Sometimes it is um, just deleting it because it's, you know, as an attorney, you get all sorts of things for different CLE, um, new cases that are coming out. And there are things that I review, but maybe don't require an answer. So it's a little bit quicker. But Sunday, I can step away from all of that and do my favorite day. So I don't set an, set an alarm, but I still wake up early. 
And I like to have breakfast. I didn't have breakfast this morning, but I usually like to make pancakes on a Sunday. And then for the rest of the day, I alternate between work and just more leisurely things. I started getting the New York Times Sunday delivery. So I'll get the Sunday paper out front and I'll go between working on whatever projects I have and also um, I have a pile of books that I'm reading at the same time. So I'll alternate between the books. I'll also try to catch up on my magazine reading and I'll go to emails but do them in smaller little bites. Because they've added up from the weekend, I will add, uh, sometimes I'll log into my email and I'll just do maybe 20, you know, let's just like quickly do 20 and then I'll go back to my books or whatever. I'll also do church. I've still been doing church virtually. I'd like to go back in person, but I'm just finding that the weekends have been too busy that it's harder for me to get in a more presentable look, you know, for church and get out the door. So I've really been relying on virtual, um, but I do want to get back in person. It's, it's a wonderful reset and it takes me away from anything at home when I'm there in person. And I just really, really need to get back to that. When I'm working on projects, I bring home maybe one to four projects, depending on what I have going on. This weekend I had two. I have, I finished one already. It was very, very short, but something that I kept trying to get to all day Friday and could never get to it. And then finally did it today. And then I'm working on a motion today and I work on it a little bit. Um, set a timer, like I'll set timers. My, this probably sounds super weird and regimented, but for some reason it just really makes me feel more um, productive. So I'll set a timer for 30 minutes. I'll work on my motion for 30 minutes and then step away from the motion and do emails maybe for a few minutes where I'll just decide, hey, 20 emails because I'm just working my way through the weekend ones, which really do tend to pile up. Um, I try not to look at emails on Saturday because when I walk out the door on Friday, I'm all 100% completely caught up. And you get a million emails on Friday afternoon where people I think are thinking of their last thoughts before they go away for the weekend. Um, or an attorney sends you a letter Friday afternoon. I finally left the office at about three on Friday. And I was just like, that's it. No more emails. I, I just, I answered them till the very last second and then walked out the door. So then they pile up, you know, and so Saturday, I really, really try not to, to look at them. And then Sunday I start whittling away at them so that I don't have a million on Monday morning. And then I will um, pick up my books. I'll pick up my magazines. I rest more instead of doing a heavy exercise routine because Saturday is my really big walk. 
And I took two really big ones yesterday. I took my grandson for a walk and then my other daughter came over and we took both kids for a walk and went to the park. So I probably walked eight or nine miles. So today I'm sitting around in a knee brace and just kind of resting. I might do a small walk, just kind of like around the block to get some air, but I'm really just trying to rest and rest my back. I had, I did three cycle bar classes last week, so I was pretty productive like on my exercise schedule and at times when when I've done a bunch of exercise like that, I really need to just relax, like let my back rest, let my hip rest, um, and and just you know take it easy. Sometimes I'll do some things around town. That's all. This is also part of my favorite Sunday, like go to the library. The library opened back up on Sundays. They're doing hours that are more conducive to people who are not around during the week. Um, like, so for example, it's like Monday through, I think it's closed on Friday, Monday through Thursday, like five to nine. So you can go use it in the evening. And then Saturday and Sunday, like nine to five. Something that I really like to do is get a room at the library uh, one of the private work rooms. And I haven't done that since before COVID. I think I'm going to do that. It's really nice. It takes you out of your regular working element and just lets you work in a different location, which to me is kind of a reset. Um, I like to make Sunday dinner. And when I do Sunday dinner, it is like the Sopranos Sunday dinner. Not, I can't cook like Carmela Soprano, but I do like to make pasta and vegan meatballs and I'll do different pastas. I'll do like a vegan carbonara, just sometimes a red sauce, sometimes an Alfredo. But I will tell you this, Alfredo is not my favorite sort of sauce. I prefer a red sauce. Uh, sometimes like an olive oil sauce, like just a pasta with a different sauce. And then maybe like some sort of vegan chicken. Um, I do a vegan chicken Parmesan that's pretty popular. And then a salad, always a nice salad with lots of stuff in it. And maybe some appetizers if I feel like it. It just depends. It sort of depends on what I have or what I have a taste for. Um, a nice loaf of uh, Italian or French bread. Just real, real comfort food. That is my ideal Sunday dinner. I try not to watch TV during the day because, like I said, I don't want to burn the sunlight. When I read, I love to read to sunlight. And there was a quote, and I can't remember. I think I tore it out and saved it somewhere. But it was a quote from an old timey writer where she said that the best part of summer was being able to have more sunlight for reading. I don't really like reading at, uh, by a lamp. I have a couple of lamps that are, are good for reading, but usually by the evening, my eyes are just like too exhausted and I want to do something more passive. So when it gets dark, that's usually when I'll put on shows or a movie and that is my perfect day. Just really at the same time being productive, but also being restful. If I can sit outside 
during portions of this. I definitely like that as well. Um, and just enjoy the sunlight and enjoy the outside, enjoy my the view from my yard, enjoy my patio. Just is all very, very nice. I think bugs are starting to come out um, because I have some sort of weird bite on my foot and I was walking around barefoot on my patio yesterday. So that's it. Thanks for um, my f listening to My Favorite Sunday. I have a bunch of recommendations for things to watch. It didn't feel like I've been watching a lot over the last couple of weeks and I've just been sort of watching things in the evening before I go to bed, but I guess it adds up. So I saw a few movies on uh, some streaming services. I saw one called Fresh, which is on Hulu. It's with Sebastian Stan, who is the Winter Soldier, and he also plays Tommy and Pam and Tommy. It is kind of gross. <laughs> my My oldest daughter recommended it, and then my youngest daughter and I were watching it because I said, oh, Florency recommended this. Do you want to watch it with me? She said, sure. This was a Friday night and she was eating and there was just this one part that was like really gross and it was starting to make me feel nauseated even though I wasn't the one eating. I said, well, why don't we, you know, get away from this movie? And she was like, yeah, like it's making me feel sick. But then last night I went back to it and just thought if there's anything that is more gross. And I'm someone who likes horror, but I don't like, uh, I don't know how to do it. I don't like, like, just yucky, you know, and like Texas Chainsaw Massacre has a lot of that. Although I really, really like the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but just, um, you know, like weird things getting sliced or whatever on people. And it's just, ugh, yuck. Um, so I figured if there was anything like that, I'd just go past it really quick and then it was actually once we got past that really gross scene everything else was kind of better and it had um I don't want to say a fun ending because I wouldn't really call this movie fun it had uh, a good ending a pretty satisfying ending and then after that I watched on Saturday night I Saturday night I watched a movie called Kimmy and it's with Zoe Kravitz. And it's a sh super short movie. It's a bit of a thriller. Um, it's She works for a company and she has a device that's kind of an Alexa de device. She also, there's sort of a weird side story. I don't know, not a weird side story, but an interesting side story where it's, uh, I guess, taking place during COVID. So there's masks and quarantine talk and all of that. So um, they do good with having that as part of the story, but it's not the, the main story, like not, not, a, not at all, you know, and I thought she was going to be more like a, like a superhero and she wasn't at all. And I thought that made it more interesting. She basically was um, a regular girl with probably some mental health issues who is kind of solving a mystery, I guess is the best way to do it. And based on her limitations, how she does it. So it was pretty good. And then she was also empowered 
by what she needed to do. I hope that doesn't give anything away. Uh, I rented a theater a week ago for the Batman. It was a present to myself for the end of my trial. I wanted to have like a bit of a party after my week-long trial, which ended up not happening, but we still had the party. We had a great group. I had half of a high school girls basketball team. It's my neighbor's daughter's team. Half of the girls came. My neighbors came. My brother and his family. My daughter bought a friend. My parents were there. My husband. Um, my older girls didn't come because they have the babies. And the movie was like just three hours, like a really, really long movie. So to try to keep uh, two toddlers occupied during three hours, it doesn't work. An hour and a half, maybe they can kind of watch the movie or uh, maybe they'll nap during it. With my grandson, sometimes my daughter will hand him her phone and he'll watch his own videos um, but with a three-hour movie, like, it, it just wasn't happening. Also, it ended during their bedtimes. They thought about coming and staying for part of it, but just realized it was better to sit this one out. But we had a really fun group, and everyone seemed to have a really good time. It is a good movie. It is, um, I know a lot of people are kind of going crazy over it, like, oh, my favorite movie ever, the best Batman ever. I don't know if I feel that, it could have been shorter, I think, but they really did use the time well. It wasn't bloated like a lot of three-hour movies are. There weren't really unnecessary scenes, but maybe they could have shortened a couple of the scenes and brought it in at like two hours, 40 minutes, in my opinion. And it was a whole different way of telling Batman. It was more, it was dark. It was, the theme was dark and the entire picture was dark. Maybe five minutes of the movie takes place during the sunlight. And even then the sunlight is muted. It wasn't like a bright sunny day. It was kind of like one of those overcast gray days, which are actually pretty cool days where everything is just kind of like a grayish blue. That's sort of how it looked when they were out in the daylight. Robert Pattinson, who played Batman, did a good job. I like him as Batman. He had a mask on almost the whole movie. I would have liked to see him a little bit more. Without the mask, Zoe Kravitz was good as Catwoman. Um, Colin Farrell plays the Penguin. I did not know it was him because I had started to avoid anything about this movie because I really wanted it to be a surprise because I just was hearing good things about it and I didn't want anything spoiled. So there's an actor playing the penguin. The whole time I'm thinking, he's in a, he's got to be some Italian-American actor, probably in The Sopranos, but, you know, The Sopranos was so long ago, he's probably older looking, maybe there's some prosthetics on him. And it's Colin Farrell, <laughs> um, very good-looking, thin Irish actor, played the Penguin. And unrecognizable. Not in a million years would have ever even closely guessed that it was him. So that was crazy. 
uh, I cannot think of the name of the actor who's playing um, Commissioner Gordon, although I think he's still Detective Gordon at this time. The movie is very reminiscent of the movie Seven, um, the movie Zodiac, and another comparison as well. Seven Zodiac and oh, um, Saw to me, I thought it was a little bit like the movie Saw with the villain Jigsaw. I don't want to talk too much about the main villain, but they did it in a good way that was a very creepy and gave you a little bit of a cliffhanger, kind of, sort of, not really, about a possible villain for the future. So overall, I liked it. I all Ever since I saw it, I've been thinking about it, where I'll think about different parts or just think about the story in general. I was a fan. Um, but it is a commitment <laughs> for the three hours. But like I said, worth it. I didn't, I was watching the movie. One tell to me, like if a movie is dragging, is that I'll look at my watch a lot. And so the first time that I look at my watch is the tell for how the movie is going. I didn't look at my watch until two hours into the movie. The movie started at five. I looked at my watch about seven. So um, that's funny. I looked at it at seven and the movie was like seven. Ha ha ha. But I was into it and really paying attention Um, I wasn't super distracted. I'm someone who gets kind of easily distracted where maybe I'm looking at my phone under a blanket (laughs) to not disturb everyone else. And I had my phone in my bag the whole time. I wasn't tempted to look at it. Also probably because everyone I knew was in the same place. So I didn't really need to text with anyone either. So I recommend the movie quite a bit. There are a lot of good limited series right now. Um, One is Pam and Tommy. Is this the greatest one you will ever see in your life? No. I thought that the first episode, maybe second episode, were a little weak. And then it really picked up. Lily James playing Pamela Anderson crazily looks like her. With what they did with prosthetics, including a prosthetic chest plate. Um, Makeup. She just looks so different and um, really had her mannerisms down. And it just was, she was really good. And Pam Anderson is the hero of the movie. And it is really sad what happened to her. I mean, I can remember during the 90s, like, the tape with her husband at the time coming out and everyone kind of laughing about it. I never watched it. I don't watch anything like that because to me it is an invasion of someone's privacy. And I felt that immediately. And I didn't even know at the beginning if it was stolen or not stolen. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that it was something that I was not interested in. I would never watch. But I remember like jokes on talk shows and I can even remember a discussion with my mom where because there was talks if she was trying to release it because she was uh, trying to get some sort of publicity and 
I remember my mom and I having a discussion and we both thought she wasn't trying to do that. And the reason why we both thought it, I, I thought, I'm like, well, she's already famous. Why would she need to do this? Like, how do, like, what does that get her? She already has fame. She already has money. And, you know, she may not be seen as serious any longer if, you know, this tape comes out. It seemed, from what I heard, it seemed very private, like from their honeymoon and things like that. So it just was odd. And my mom said, she's a mother. Why would she want to, you know, for that to, to get out? She has, you know, I don't know if she had one young child at the time or two. She probably probably only had the one at the time. You know, why would she want that? So I never felt it was something that she had put out there. And from the show, they say it was stolen and put out there. And they tried hard to get it squashed. And there was just legal rulings to me that seemed crazy today. So that part I was like very fascinated by. I would, I would actually like to know more that how could this get stolen? And then when it's released, the people who are releasing it have First Amendment rights to release it. That just seems very, very odd to me. So I would like to know more about that. But she's definitely portrayed as uh, the victim or the hero. And and then at the end, it's wrapped up in a very sad way. You know, uh, celebrity marriages, I think, can be weird. Um, I mean, who knows what it's like to be a celebrity and be married or be married to a celebrity. But I think it's something that really put stress on their marriage. I think they were really in love for a period of time. And this was a stressor that I don't think that they were asking for. So that's my opinion. I recommend it. It's an easy watch. It's probably uh, six or seven episodes, maybe eight. The less compelling story was uh, Seth Rogen played the person who actually stole the video and his story was less compelling there's a little bit of a oh I don't know what you call it maybe a comeuppance at the end and a realization of wrongdoing also kind of a very surprising fact that I don't know that he ever got any money from it the guy who stole it because it was sort of stolen from him, <laughs> you know, about how's that karma for you? So like very fascinating and, and sad. Um, that's on Hulu. Also on Hulu is the dropout where Amanda Seyfried plays Elizabeth Holmes. I think she's doing a great job with it. She's not her physically in terms of Elizabeth Holmes always seemed like a sort of a taller person. I think Amanda Seyfried is is pretty petite, but she has her mannerisms down. And the first episode and a half are kind of okay. Like if you're watching it and you're like, eh, I'm not sure, give it a chance. It really kicks in. It starts with her younger life. And as she's coming up with these ideas to for this company, that ultimately was just really nothing. And then what and her transformation into the Elizabeth Holmes that we see in TED Talks and in the interviews 
before she was convicted and before Theranos went under is pretty fascinating. And Amanda Seyfried really has it down. There's always this thing that, you know, so Elizabeth Holmes, she had that fake deep voice that she did that, um, I'm going to try to do it. Everyone has a right to human, uh, every human has a, uh, I'm trying to think what that quote is. Every human has the right to health care. Like she said that, would say that over and over again. And so the voice, she's she's got it. The turtleneck with the red lipstick, so the outfit, she's got it. But then she has the mannerisms too. There was always sort of this, if you ever watched like an Elizabeth Holmes TED Talk or interview, she almost has like a bounce uh, in, to her to her neck, to her shoulders, to her head. And Amanda has that. And it's it's really good. Um, so I'm intrigued. And it's coming out like once, one episode a week. And, I, and I'm all caught up. There's only four right now. One that I wasn't sure that I was going to watch, and now I'm like really into it, is The Truth About Pam. This is the one where Renee Zellweger is pretty unrecognizable. She has a bunch of prosthetics on and she has prosthetics on her body to make herself look bigger because you know how like just how teeny tiny she has that teeny tiny runner's body. And so now she looks probably like just like a regular woman. <laughs> and um, it's the craziest story. There's only one episode out now. I turned it on yesterday. I was kind of flipping around and trying to find something new to watch. And I turned it on yesterday. It's on Peacock and Hulu and like devoured the first episode and um, downloaded the podcast and have started listening to the podcast because I want to watch more, but there's only the one episode. It seems crazy and I'm dying to figure out what's happening. I, do, I don't want to say anything about it. That's why I'm having a hard time talking about it because there's a lot of twists in it that are very weird. I can't think of the name of the show. It's on HBO, but it's about the rise of the Lakers. Um, like at their, um, their best, like in the nineties when they, when they drafted and hired, um, Magic Johnson. So, um, they have this young man who looks crazily like Magic Johnson when he was younger. And um, it's an Adam McKay production. And Adam McKay, I just love like everything he does. He's so smart. And John C. Riley plays the owner of the Lakers. And his name is Doc somebody. I can't think of it because um, I'm not super familiar with the story. But I'm really, really enjoying this series. There's only one out. Another one comes out today. And I can't wait. And Adam McKay, like, crazily films it with, like, how he does the shots. Like, I just love it. And it's he also, like, sometimes will film it kind of grainy. So it looks like older footage, even though it's not. So it's really good. And the guy who bought the Lakers, and so this has got to be 93 ish. He paid like $33 million. Sure, that's a ton of money. But there are houses in LA right now that aren't even the nicest houses. 
that are 33 million. I was looking at some listings in Variety yesterday, and there was listings for $100 million houses. So $33 million for an NBA franchise. And the Lakers weren't the Lakers that they are now, obviously. But what an investment. I mean, how much can the Lakers be worth? $5 billion, $10 billion? Like crazy. And he scraped it together to be able to buy them and was able to buy them. So I really like that movie too. I also finished up Succession, which I've been watching for weeks. So many people and um, articles have been saying, watch Succession. I think they won a bunch of Emmys and were nominated for a bunch. And I always like Brian Cox and I do like um, the actor Jeremy Strong, like any movie that I've ever seen him in. He's always excellent. He's a very small part in the big short, but in, but very memorable for some reason. So, um, I've been watching succession and I'll watch it, you know, before I go to bed and I'll usually fall asleep, not because it's boring because I'm just tired all the time. And I've been watching it and it was taking me some time to get through it, but enjoying it. And feeling very much like, well, first of all, when I was watching it, it popped in my head where I went, Shakespeare? Question mark? And I looked up, I just put in my phone, Succession and Shakespeare. And I guess it's no big secret at all that they use um, thematic um, thematic plots from Shakespeare. Like a lot of the King stories, like King Richard and, you know, maybe a little bit of Macbeth and Hamlet, but probably not. Um, probably more like King Lear, like ones like that. But not a like just a direct, this is the story. Like Sons of Anarchy was very much Hamlet. And just kind of stayed like right on Hamlet, but made it, you know, seven or eight seasons. This is very much like, power and who will succeed the king who is Brian Cox who is a media mogul um, named Logan Roy he has four children and some of the things that are said are so stinking funny at some point I'm going to go back and rewatch the three episodes because sometimes it moves so fast at um it just really goes past you. And there's episodes too that are not as strong. Like to me, The Sopranos was always super strong. Even like the episodes people that say are the weak episodes, to me never are. They're always amazing episodes. There were some episodes that were like fine and still really good, like better than anything else you'd see on television. But then some episodes were just amazing like the episodes that were more of the events like there's a couple of weddings and a birthday party and those end up being my favorite uh, because so much happens in those I was also thinking the production costs have to be humongous because it's supposed to be following this billionaire family and so they live like billionaires yachts and helicopters and private jets and, um, you know, huge homes 
which makes me very envious in a way, but then not envious because you see how unhappy and, and screwed up they are. But the beauty of it, of how it is shot and the richness of it is um, very, very true. Like you can feel like how rich they are. Um, so I finished the last episode of season three yesterday and I almost stood up and was just like, no, <laughs> because to me it ended on like such a cliffhanger and it was building up like the whole episode and then it was just like, that's it. And like you think you know something and it seems pretty clear, but maybe not. Like you don't know really what you just saw. So I'm excited to talk about it with someone who's watched it <laughs> because I do have like a lot of things that I want to talk about and see their impact on it. Um, I also finished a book that it had taken me probably a month, maybe two to finish, not because it was bad. I think I always have to qualify that because it sounds like, oh, it, if it took that long, is it because it wasn't good? no. I really liked this book and I just had to keep putting it down to work and it was called Apples Never Fall and it's written by um, I think oh gosh it's that writer who like writes everything right now I think it's like Leanne Moriarty but if you put in Apples Never Fall all her books will come will come up. She did Big Little Lies and I think she also did Nine Perfect Strangers. She's done some of the really, really big books that have been out there. I have not been interested in reading her books because in some of the modern fiction, some of the bestsellers that are out there right now, I just get so... I, they, they're, they're just tiresome. They have all this build up. You get so excited. Like one, for example, is like the woman on the train or the girl in the window, like the, those kind of books where they build it up and you're so excited and there's this unreliable narrator. And then it has like this kind of twist at the end. That's like, eh, it's not really a twist. And then it wraps it up and it's just not very satisfying. And this was an ending that I loved. Like I love the ending so much more than I love the rest of the book, although I love the rest of the book. And I don't want to say anything because I love it so much. And to talk more about it is to tell all about it. It starts off like it is one of those books where the ending will be not so satisfying. And then it is a very satisfying amazing ending. I teared up at the end. The books talks, it says a lot about marriage and having adult children and having a long-term marriage and what that is, but also wrapped up in a mystery. So I'll leave it at that. I highly recommend it. My oldest daughter is starting it because um, I've recommended it so highly, so I'm hoping she likes it as much as I did. If you're looking to hear more of me, I was on the Film Vault a couple of weeks ago. It's on one of their regular episodes. Uh, they play a segment of mine at the end called Red Light, Green Light. 
And it turned out really fun, and I'm really proud of it. So if you have some time to go and listen to the guys on the Film Vault and hear my segment, I would appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Sorry about the long podcast. I guess I just had a lot to talk about today. I'll be back in a couple of weeks after my trip from New Orleans, and I will talk to you about how New Orleans is doing. As I record this, a lot of the COVID restrictions are being lifted. I went into court the other day and masks were not required, just recommended. Honestly, I couldn't believe it because the court was like the place where they were very stringent about masks when no one else in Arizona was. Um, and, and I don't want to get political, but I'll just tell you, I, at this point, I'm not a big fan of masks. They are difficult for, like on a personal level, they're difficult for me to breathe in. I can't hear people when they're talking, when they have a mask on. And I'm, I'm just over it. <laughs> I'm just over I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'll do whatever I am told to do, but I, I am happy to see them going away. And I went into court and they were just recommended. So I took my mask off and I would say about half of the people had their masks off. And then um, I'm taking a flight in a couple of days and I checked the airlines and they extended it. Um, well, the government has extended airport and airlines max until April and then they'll reassess. So I'm a little bit bummed about that, but um, you know, what can you do? So I will tell you how New Orleans is when I get back. Thank you for listening. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Patreon under Florence Legally Brunette Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Brunette. I'm on Facebook under my own name and under my law office. My website is brummerlaw.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon.